In this episode, we get to sit down with Sister Alicia Torres to discuss her role from the executive board on the Eucharistic revival in the United States. And I have to say, this was such an inspiring and encouraging episode. Each one of us needs to have a revival. I was talking to somebody recently about their conversion. And they said John chapter six, like didn't sit well initially, but when they actually learned what the Eucharist was, they went home and said, have you heard of the Eucharist? And each one of us needs to respond in that way. The world is crazy for not running to mass. The world is crazy for not running to the Eucharist. And so each one of us to have this revival of healing, of encounter with Christ. And so we hope this episode helps you join in that spirit in that joy and that excitement to learn again, to experience again, Jesus, the source and summit of our faith, truly present in the Eucharist. Sister Alicia, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. For our listeners, we are super excited to have Sister Alicia Torres here, uh, who's part of the National Eucharistic Revival, and she is a uh, part of the Franciscans of the Eucharist of Chicago. She's an inter-school city teacher, and she also won the 2015 uh, Chopped. Chopped series on the Food Network. But we're here to talk about uh, the National Eucharistic Revival, which uh, if you're anything like us, you've probably heard about this going on, but you probably don't know a lot about it. So I'm actually really excited to get into this. So sister, Tell us what is the National Eucharistic Revival and like how did this get started? For sure. So the National Eucharistic Revival is really a movement um, that I totally believe um, and the bishops believe the Holy Spirit has inspired for our country. So a while back when Bishop Barron was at the time the chairman of the Committee for Evangelization and Catechesis, so basically a bunch of bishops that want to make sure that we're evangelizing and we're catechizing the church. The head of that, as he left that role, his recommendation in response to this kind of crisis of many, many young Catholics, especially leaving the church, was to have a Eucharistic revival. Bishop Cousins then took on that role as Bishop Barron ended his term, and Bishop Cousins is currently the bishop for Crookston, Minnesota. And as he began that element of his service as a bishop at the conference, he wholeheartedly believed, yes, let's do a Eucharistic revival. And of course, then COVID happened. So it's been a little delayed. The bishops are hoping to move this forward sooner. And so Bishop Cousins, a credibly prayerful, holy bishop, um, continued to discern um, among the bishops and then reach out um, to Catholic leaders around the country to get some of their feedback around this. We know from a 2019 Pew Research study that over 70% of Catholics do not believe that the Eucharist is Jesus. It's truly his body, blood, soul, and divinity in, in this mysterious way, looking like bread and wine, right? And so that's a crisis. If 70% of the people don't believe our core doctrine. <laughs> yeah. um, so instead of though looking around and trying to point our fingers at, well, who's to blame? A better response is, okay, how is the Lord inviting us to prayer and to discern what should we do and who ultimately should we be? We should be Eucharistic people. And so this revival is an initial three-year planned movement initiative of the American bishops that will, in a sense, culminate, but more so crescendo because it's not going to be the end 
culminate crescendo in a Eucharistic Congress in 2024, which we haven't had one of those since I believe 1976 in the United States, a, a National Eucharistic Congress, that's huge. And by the way, JP2 and Mother Teresa were at that Eucharistic Congress. No big deal. Uh, so we've been wow. on ourselves. We can't wait to see what future, future saints are going to come out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Idol. Um, I'm sure there's already dozens and dozens that the Lord is appointing. But from there, we want to then resend out our people on a mission to bring this beautiful message that Jesus is with us. He is for us. He changes lives and he can change your life too. And not only our lives, but our church and our world. Um, so it's a hopeful, joyful movement uh, from the grassroots and then from the top down meeting together to proclaim this gospel of the Eucharist. Sister, oh, thank you. Thank you for shedding light on that, for explaining the importance of this. I think that we know this and yet what do we do? And to have something as a church, as a country to come together and stand behind and say, like, we need this. I, what, how did you get involved with this sure. revival system? <laughs> Great question. You know, like I noted um, early on last, last winter, spring, so of 20, what year are we in? 2021, <laughs> um, Bishop Cousins and the team at the USCCB reached out to Catholic leaders around the country, people that were both at the diocesan level, apostolates in religious communities, just to get feedback around the ideas and what had been developed thus far. And so somehow I ended up on the list to be in one of those feedback sessions. Um, and it was really wonderful and really humbling to be among the people that were in that group, even at that time. And um, at the end of each of those listening sessions, Bishop Cousins asked the group, you know, what can you do for the revival? I said, well, you know, our charism is basically this. So, I mean, here <laughs> says we can do, we can be very interested in helping. So then he called my superior and asked if I could help on the executive team. So I guess he took it pretty seriously. So it's, yeah, it's been really humbling and exciting. Um, and for me as a religious, you know, I think it's important to share. I think sometimes people look at us and priests and think like, oh, they've got it together. Oh, they know everything. And I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, my own Eucharistic faith um, has grown in this last year serving the revival. My awareness of what really happens at mass, even like some profound moments of healing interiorly all through the Eucharist. So I need this revival just as much as any other one of us does. Um, and I want to say that really clearly, like this is for the whole church. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Oh, I think back to my conversion and the invitation of the Lord mm -hmm. through the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, I've always wanted to not forget and to remember that depth and that love, but mm -hmm. The reality is, is sometimes, and in this phase of life when mass is a little chaotic and adoration is more scattered and quiet is hard to find, uh, <laughs> it is incredible to come back to this and for you to say like this revival, this reminder is just so good for your heart and soul. And I think every Catholic, regardless of how much we believe and have been transformed by John chapter six, coupled with Eucharistic adoration, the reality that we need to continue to come back to the source and summit in this powerful way. Yeah. And I, I man, I have so many questions. Um, 
<laughs> so I, I think you've really pinpointed uh, the crisis of, of mm -hmm. our faith in the Eucharist as Catholics and people not believing that this is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus. And, and really, if you miss the mark on that, like you're, you miss the mark on, on a central core teaching of, yeah, like Catholicism. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, really one of the things that differentiates Catholicism from everything else is the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. But I wonder, so, um, so I look at that and I'm like, man, that is a huge problem. Mm -hmm. And then I look at what can we do? And it's just overwhelming. I'm like, ah, man, where do you even start? So, so what are some goals of the Eucharistic revival? Like, and I'm a pilot, so I like checklists. So like, what are the steps, you know, what, what, what plan of action do you guys have to try to help this crisis? Oh, well, I love that you love a checklist and actually <laughs> I have some for you. Um, so, you know, we have this vision statement and the vision of the National Eucharistic Revival is to have a movement of Catholics that are healed, converted, formed, and sent out on mission for the life of the world. So that through this encounter with Jesus and the Eucharist, whether it's the first time realizing, wow, that is Jesus, or going deeper where we already know, yep, that's him, but he's taking us deeper. That interior conversion, like we're all poor sinners. We yeah. all need conversion. You know, we're on a journey. It's, it's not like this. <laughs> You know, oh, I ran the marathon of growing in my faith and I'm done. Check. Like, yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take that one off your list, Drew. But conversion, <laughs> like, we're on this lifelong healing journey. I mean, all of us have a past, right? And it's the past. It's not going to change. And many of us get stuck in one or multiple moments of the past that lead us to the lack of freedom. And so, how does Jesus want to go with us to those places, those wounds, and touch them? So that they're no longer this kind of place of pain, but like this portal of light, just like his transfigured wounds, right? Because when we enter into the Eucharist at Mass, we're entering into the Paschal Mystery. He's inviting us to be part of his death and resurrection. So with every death, there's this new life. Um, and then formed. Well, this is part of the reason why you have this show is to help people to grow in learning their faith. And so all of us need ongoing formation and then sent out, you know, and it doesn't mean you need to be like a super Catholic catechism memorized to be sent out. Like if you've had an encounter with Jesus, you can share that, you know, so what are the simple little ways that each of us can take a next step? But like I'm saying, and like the bishops are inviting this revival is for everyone, for the whole church, you know, so we don't want it to ever seem like, well, you have to be here. Like, no, wherever you are is where Jesus is going to meet you, where the church wants to meet you, and we're going to all journey together on this thing. Oh, I think that's such a good point of it is for everyone, regardless of how formed or unformed you feel, how worthy you feel, how many questions or how lost you feel in this concept, or if anything we've said kind of has flown over your brain and mind, and you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, no, like Jesus wants to meet you in an intimate relationship because he is a true person. Like he, he is, he wants relationship with you and that's not an abstract. And so it's beautiful that you guys have chosen to focus in on healing. I think the Lord over the last uh, couple of years has just really shown how much healing we need. And I am a very, I ran the marathon and I'm done. Like I've achieved this. I've been healed, Lord. You took me from rock bottom to this 
newness. And Mm -hmm. I want to say that that was like enough. Mm -hmm. And the reality of like the Lord's not done with me yet. And just kind of that being the theme over the last two years of the Lord's not done. And that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so if every single person could have an encounter with Christ in the Eucharist that allows him to not be done, to continue to pour grace and love into our lives. And then to use that to be sent forward, as you said, like all we have to know is our encounter with the Lord and that's enough. You don't have to be able to quote and you don't have to have a YouTube channel and that's okay. And that's good. Um, and so I, I think it's a beautiful path that you have laid out there. I, what now I know there are different years and steps Mm -hmm. along the revival process to kind of that culmination and sending forth at the uh, Congress. But can you kind of break that down for us and how the laity will experience that? For sure. So the National Eucharistic Revival is launching on Corpus Christi Sunday. Um, So if your viewers, you'll see this either before or after the launch, but it's imminent. Um, We're recording right before the launch, just a couple of days. And around the country, there are hundreds of Eucharistic processions that have been planned both on the diocesan and then in parishes. Um, So I'm really excited. I, I live in Chicago, so I'll be participating in our Eucharistic procession this coming Saturday evening, uh, the, the um, how do you say, Vigil of Corpus Christi, which is a special feast, solemnity of the highest order in the liturgy um, in our church year, where the church as a whole pauses to gaze upon our Lord in the Eucharist, to reflect, to meditate on this mystery. So this is so important that it has its own feast day. Like, whoa, that's a big deal. You know, Corpus Christi, how beautiful. So from there, this first year, Corpus Christi 2022 to 2023, we're calling the year of of diocesan revival. And so we're inviting dioceses all over the country to have events, to be able to help um, reach out to the leadership of the dioceses. So the bishops, the priests, diocesan leadership, people that maybe help out on a larger level, and then expanding that to everyone else in the diocese as well. So practically, what does that look like? Perhaps the diocese may have Eucharistic Congress on the local level, a youth rally. The focus for energy formation and retreat that year would be around the Eucharist, similarly for their diocesan, for their lay staff. Um, Having Eucharistic adoration and reconciliation nights at the cathedral, things like that, to be able to help inspire and kind of renew the leaders so that they can then help to bring it into the parish level during the year of parish revival, which would be Corpus Christi 2023 to 2024. And so similar things on the larger level that be brought down into the parishes, various resources are being developed. We're preparing um, Eucharistic small group material to offer to dioceses to be able to use in the parishes so that both in the parish setting and Hopefully, even in the families, we can have these sorts of conversations around key elements of our Eucharistic faith. Again, and really probably most importantly here is throughout the timeline of the revival, inviting our church to come back to the mystery of what happens at Mass. You know, so many of us barely scratch the surface of the profound reality um, that heaven and earth, that the final sacrifice of Jesus is renewed, that we enter into not only his passion and death on Calvary, but also the glory of his resurrection at every mass. And so the bishops really, really 
have a strong desire to help our Catholics renew and perhaps for the first time learn and deep age, like that full active participation at mass that Vatican II asked for, that doesn't mean like singing and it doesn't mean ushering. Those are good things, but like full active participation at mass means my heart is engaged with what is going on. Like I am united with that priest who is offering the sacrifice. And oh my gosh, like if people knew that that was going on, they would be banging on church doors. We'd be, we wouldn't be able to build churches fast enough to fit the people mm-hmm. who really knew what was happening at mass, myself included. Um, so that's going to be a huge theme throughout the revival is helping our church to engage in, in the mystery of the mass to help our priests um, to be able to teach the people. And then, uh, of course, Eucharistic adoration flows from the mass and brings us back mm-hmm. to the mass, strange moments of being in his presence. And so all of this, the diocesan year, the parish years leading up to the National Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis in 2024, that'll be the month of July. Um, there's hope for upwards of 100,000 people from all over the country wow. the church, um, every demographic. Um, we have a wonderful team that's helping with fundraising so that we can help to scholarship people to come in, people to otherwise go. So, so many things are being planned for that to be a celebration, a deepening and ascending out. You know, what mm. is really important as well to note is that when we were baptized, every single one of us um, in that consecration received a missionary vocation. We are all missionaries, right? And so through this revival, the bishops are inviting us to all come to see how we're Eucharistic missionaries, that through that transformative encounter with Jesus, who unites us, by the way, that's part of the vision too, is that Jesus unites his church and the church is supposed to go out and bring that love, that unity to the world. Not like this, you know, kumbaya, like we can hold hands around a campfire kind of unity that isn't really rooted in the depths, which don't get me wrong, I love campfires. (laughs) (laughs) I teach five-year-olds. So I have nothing wrong with that. But like, it needs to be deeper, right? It needs to be so deep that like, your husband gets deployed or he gets sent out. You can't mm. happen for four months, but you have that heart connection with him because, mm. you, yes. and because you love Jesus. You know, that's mm. the kind of unity that we need. Um, honestly, it's like so edifying to talk to y'all living family life and marriage. Like one mm. of the patients that's so critical in our church, the building block of the church is the family, you know? And so if this revival doesn't get into the family, um, then we've, we've missed mm. something like, the family is so important. Um, and so many of these things that are being developed and prepared also have in mind, how do we help? How do we, um, how do we equip parents to be able to be the primary educators of their children, to share the faith, to hold the hands of their children? It's RE is really important. Catholic school is really important. I work in a Catholic school, but like I can never have in my mind that I take the, the role that only you have because God has given it to you. Like I'm supposed to support you. You know, yeah. not for you. So, how can we reimagine as a church mm-hmm. together? We're helping to build up the body of Christ. What What can you tell us about uh, the National Eucharistic Congress? Because I don't know when I I hear that term and I'm like, is it a retreat? Is it a conference? A congress makes me think that like people come and then they just watch the bishops vote on stuff. Like, <laughs> I don't know, like what. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a really good question. So the National Eucharistic Congress is going to be this four-day gathering in Indianapolis. Um, You know, it's going to be July 17th to 21st in Indianapolis. 
And many of the large arenas, stadiums in Indy have already been reserved for this. Um, hotels have been blocked out. So it's being positioned so there's they're space to receive all of these people. When you think about the Eucharistic Congress, I want you to think not so much of a conference as you would of a World Youth Day. That's the spirit that we're going into this with. Um, a wonderful uh, Catholic layman, Father Tim Glomkowski, was recently hired, um, good friend of mine out of Denver, to, to be the director for the National Eucharistic Congress. He's a millennial too. He is on fire <laughs> for this. Um, been doing lots of research. And one of the fun things that he found out in some of his research was that in the past when National Eucharistic Congresses, so pause there, like we've had, I believe, one or two international Eucharistic Congresses in the U.S. since the 70s, but we haven't had a national one. So one that was organized and initiated by, by our own country, um, the leadership, the bishops here. So um, in the past, though, we had a series of them in the early 20th century. And one of the things that was a tradition was that there'd be delegates a de delegation sent from parishes so that there would be representation from parishes all over the country. So it was like, wow, that's so cool. Like our parish is sending five people to the National Eucharistic Congress and they're going to come back and share those fruits with us. Yeah. And, you know, now like, I mean, COVID has been such a drag, but one of the blessings <laughs> is this whole digital thing. And so there will be a virtual element to the Congress as well. So the people who can't get there can also participate and be able to experience the beauty, the truth, the goodness of that moment, um, and the joy of, of um, being together as church. Ah, oh, what a gift! Yeah, what a gift. Yeah. What? Uh, so, if people, if people want to get involved, first of all, how do they get involved, and how do they learn more about all of this that we've been talking about? Right. You know, I'm super proud of the beautiful website. Uh, that was just launched about a week and a half ago, our 2.0 version, um, eucharisticrevival.org. So check it out. It's eucharisticrevival.org. And on there is already a great deal of information about the Eucharistic Revival. There are already various resources up there, including Bishop Cousins has a beautiful um, course that's rooted in the bishop's document, The Mystery of the Eucharist in the Life of the Church, which was released last November. It's that document is, a, in a sense, kind of the um, the um, the resource or kind of the key go-to resource for the formation of the revival. It's kind of like the uh, theological heart of the revival, yeah. the mystery of the Eucharist and life of the church. So Bishop Cousins um, partnered with Revive Parish and put together a wonderful video series on that. There's an accompanying um, reflection guidebook, so you can check that out on our website. We also have a link up for people to sign up for our weekly newsletter, which I'm really excited about. Um, I'm really humbled to be part of the team that's gonna help make that happen throughout the next few years. Um, also look, be on the lookout for our National Eucharistic Preachers. We have 56 wonderful priests, both diocesan and religious from around the country who went through a, a wonderful, powerful formation retreat here in Chicago who are ready to be sent out um, to these diocesan events to help Innocence be the front lines of the revival. Um, over the coming months, we're gonna be releasing short video testimonies from our preachers through the newsletter and on social media. Um, and then you can also sign up to be a prayer warrior. We desperately need to cover the revival constantly in prayer. Happy to report to your viewers that we've got the Cloistered Sisters around the country. They've been on it since the fall. <laughs> Um, we're grateful for our cloister sisters. Um, yes. 
and religious around the country who are praying for this revival, um, I think I've probably received the most encouraging support from our Carmel here in just Plains. Um, the sisters have been so good to me. Because sometimes as a religious sister, it's kind of like you're a little bit of a fish out of water, you know, doing something kind of a little beyond your normal communal apostolate. But it was like, oh, sister, we're praying for you and offering so many sacrifices. And I'm like, I am sure you're offering oh, so many man. sacrifices for me. <laughs> Like, well, my heart is going to just, so yes, there are so many sisters and cloistered men as well in our country that are praying for us. We don't always think of them because we don't see them, but they're a power of intercession. Um, And then check out your own diocese's website, you know, maybe Google it or find your diocesan website. Every diocese around the country should either have something already planned or be in the process of planning things. You know, see what are they doing in your local area and then ask your pastor, hey, Father, I heard about this revival. What can I do? Can I help you to get ready for this? How can I participate? Or if you're a student at a Newman Center or connected with another Catholic institution, you know, start to talk to your friends. Um, maybe you could be a small group leader at your parish or if there's any number of ways to be engaged. But I think what I really want to emphasize is that while the Lord is certainly calling us to do many things, uh, like John Paul II said once, in order to do, we must first be to be mm-hmm. the Lord in the Eucharist. And it's there that we come to know who we are. And the more clearly we know that of its sons and daughters of the Father like Jesus, the more free we're going to be to be sent on that mission he has for us. Mm-hmm. You know, so to be very aware of like, we have to do many things, but all the doing flows from knowing who we are in Jesus. Um, because like the point of this whole thing is like, well, sure, we want to have an amazing revival that lives far beyond these three years. But ultimately, the whole point is so that everyone gets to heaven. <laughs> yes. We want eternal life. Like, we want to be here forever. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And we want to get excited. Everybody is called to be a great saint. I mean, wow, that's amazing. Uh, anyway, getting too excited. <laughs> Yeah, no, I and like hearing you get excited about this, like it is impossible not to get excited about <laughs> these things. And man, you just you said like eight truth bombs. I would recommend for our <laughs> listeners just rewind the last like, five minutes and just <laughs> listen to that all again because I know I will. Um, thank you so much for for coming on the show. Uh, I think this is so beautiful for all of our listeners. Check out more of this. Uh, there's going to be so much going on. It is so needed in our church and it starts with us, right? It starts mm-hmm. with our, um, our knowing the Lord deeper, our, our transformation of our hearts. Um, and then, and that's where the real revival comes from. in, in my mind is, mm-hmm. is when we get transformed, then we transform others that they see mm-hmm. the light in us. And maybe this video can be just a, a small step in that, right? You share it with a friend. You say, hey, check this out. Hey, have you heard of this Congress thing? No, the bishops don't actually vote. It's actually way cooler than that. So, um, <laughs> so, there's, so there's so much that you can do. Uh, but again, sister, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. For all our listeners, we are praying for you. We are praying for uh, the National Eucharistic Revival and the Congress and everything that you guys have going on. So thank you again so much uh, and God bless. Thank you so much. Thanks, Drew and Katie. You guys are awesome. And I love that your mom and dad love your family so much. So thank you for being a witness to us of, of Catholic family life. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you, sister.